Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So Sebastian, on today's podcast, we're going to be covering the USPHL National Championships and the final four teams that made it and the three games that lead to one team being crowned the 2021 USPHL National Champions. I will say we're going to just straight up jump right into Sunday's games. And the first game was the Northern Cyclones versus the Charlotte Rush. In net for the Cyclones was Trevor Wong, the 20-year-old out of Wayzata, Minnesota. And in net for the Rush was Bubba Batista, the 19-year-old out of Victor, New York, the I-90 kid. First period, with six minutes remaining in the first period, the Rush break the ice in this contest with a beautiful zone entry and even a prettier passing play that ends with C.J. Zezima, the 19-year-old out of New Canaan, Connecticut, putting the Rush up one nut. Yeah, and you can't draw up a three-on-two any better than this. Uh, they were super patient. They dropped the puck back. Perfect shot. one nothing. Here we go. Yeah, a couple minutes later, Zezima adds another, and that's how actually the first period ends with the rush up two to nothing. We enter the second period, and it doesn't take long for the rush to actually go four nothing on goals from Anthony Vidrick and again CJ Zezima, which makes it a hat trick goal for the kid before the halfway point of the game even breaks. But the Cyclones will not be denied, and on a beauty of a pass from behind the net. By the 19-year-old out of Londonderry, New Hampshire, Travis Marchant. He finds the 20-year-old out of Omaha, Nebraska, Andrew Kozel, and the Cyclones pull within three. It's four-to-one rush. Yeah, and this was just a great toe drag uh, pass the defender. Puck kind of bounces behind the net, but he's got a you know a good eye of what's going on in front of the net, and he just throws the puck in front of the net and ends up in the back of uh, back of the net for a goal. And uh, this was just a great play. Yeah, absolutely. Great hockey intelligence there by Marshawn. He read exactly where Kozel was going to be. And then we move forward. It's about halfway through the second period. The rush just won't relent. And Jared Scott buries the goal that chases Wong from the net. And he's replaced by the 20-year-old from Tampa, Florida, Kyle Meyer. It doesn't take long for the rush to welcome Meyer to the game. It's just seconds later, and I mean seconds later. The rush go up 6-1 to one on a goal from Charlie Merkley, and then rightfully so, a Cyclones player is ejected after a blind headshot off the faceoff, and the Cyclones seem to be spiraling out of control at this point as they go off basically on a five-minute major and a game misconduct for that player. And I honestly say at this moment, the game was over. I think the Cyclones had literally spiraled out of control. And honestly, Shane Hemmer makes it official, and he puts a rush up 7-1. to one. Then a third Cyclone is now ejected from the game, and the Cyclones put Wong back in net. Like, the Cyclones... Sebastian, at this point of the game, three Cyclones have been ejected from the game. They put the backup in, and then they pulled the backup and put Wong back in net. What do you think's happening to the Northern Cyclone at this point? Yeah, I think they just some frustration. I mean, obviously, you're in a big tournament like this. You never really – well, I mean, you never really expect to be blown out like this. But especially in a tournament like this, you know, you fought so hard to get to where you are. You're supposed to be, you know, one of the top four teams in the nation, and this is kind of how you've come out. 
I think, you know, they're, they came out flat and now they're frustrated. And I think you can see a lot of the, you know, older players um, trying to start something or whatever it is before they age out, graduate, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, the, I've been on in, in a game where I've been up by that much and I've been in a game where I've been down by that much. Um, and so you just got to hold your, you know, you just got to, you just got to hold your own. You got to keep a clear head. Uh, but a lot of these guys are still looking to get recruited. They're still looking to play somewhere next year. And they got to remember, whatever you do this year is going to affect what you do next year. Either if you get suspended and it carries over, um, if a team doesn't want to, you know, bring you on because they notice, you know, a blind headshot, it may have looked on purpose, it may not have, um, but that's their call to make. Um, and, you know, you can lose scholarships and things like that. So I think at this point, you know, they came out flat, they're getting embarrassed, they're a little, you know, ticked off. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I can see... being in in, in that position one time as a player, I can see where it's coming from, but, you know, looking at it now, it's kind of, we got to make sure that these kids are keeping a cool head um, and they got to think about their futures. Yeah. And I think I actually texted you during this game. I think the text was along the lines of these, some of these kids have to remember that recruiters are watching. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And I mean, it doesn't take much, you know, there's so many schools, but there's only so many spots on each of these teams if you're going ahead with another guy who maybe, you know, you may be a little bit better, not much, but so you've got the edge on him, but then you throw a dirty hit um, or, you know, an on-purpose headshot. Again, I'm not saying it was on purpose, but, you know, if they deem it, oh, that looked like it was on purpose, it's very quick to basically fall down the list and, and lose your spot or a chance to get, you know, a paid education to continue to play hockey. So, you know, a, a lot of these guys, you always got to remember, and I, I get it's frustrating and I'm sure – you know, there's tripping on the ice and, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways. But at the end of the day, you just got to remember, especially if you're still trying to make a future in the game, you just got to walk away from these things. Yeah. And honestly, those ejections really, really cost the Cyclones. While down five on three due to all these ejections, the rush just kept adding goals. Dill, Hemmer, and even including Bidrick's second goal of the game and in the in a flash, it's 10 to 1, and we're talking, we're, I think at this point, we're only, we're still eight minutes left in the second, and they're already up 10 to 1. But at this point, then the rush pulled their star to Batista and replaced him with 21-year-old out of Trent, Michigan, Scott Bird, so that Batista can rest for the championship game on Monday afternoon because this game is clearly over. That was actually the rest of the goals for the second period, and mercifully, that's how it ended, as there were no goals in the third, and it is a 10 to 1 victory for the rush over the Cyclones. Wong was 29 of 37, Meyer was 0 of 2, Batista was 6 of 7, and Bird stopped all 17 faced. I will say the Northern Cyclones had an amazing season up to this point. You have these games, like you said, you've played in these games, I've played in these games. I've, I'm a goalie. I know what it's like to have 21 goals scored on me in a game. It's it's not it's not a good feeling. It's embarrassing. Obviously, 10 goals is way better than 21. But I honestly think the Cyclones can hold their heads up high. They had an amazing season. They're one of the top four teams in the nation. They beat some of the best teams in the nation to get to where they were. But sometimes it just isn't in your favor. But the Northern Cyclones should be very proud with where they reached this season. It was really excellent watching them go 3-0 up until this game. But sometimes it happens, man. Like, the Rush saw something, and they exposed it. And, you know, well done for the Rush coaching staff there, because they found something. They found something that just, 
help them bury the Cyclones very quickly. And this, and here we are, the rush move on to the championship game. What do you think of that? Yeah, and I think you nailed it bang on. I think, you know, the rush, from watching this game, the rush really did look like they were prepared. I'm not saying the Cyclones weren't. I'm just saying the rush, you know, you can look at the, you can look and tell these guys really put the time in to game plan, to, you know, to follow through their game plan. Um, and then you can also attest to, you know, the, the group of guys they have in that locker room. Obviously, you can tell um, right from the get-go, these guys are playing for each other. You know, yes, there was a birth to the national championship on the line, but these kids were playing for each other and it exploded in 10 goals. So, I mean, you know, kudos to the coaches getting the kids ready. But to me, in, in a game like this, this late in the season, the coach is just on the bench, really just going through the motions. This is all the kids on that on that ice and on that bench. And I think they just came together at a perfect time. And, I mean, congratulations for moving on to the top two. Yeah, and actually that allows us to move into the second game of the day that will determine the championship game. This will be the Carolina Junior Hurricanes versus the Florida Eels. In net for the Hurricanes was Jake Perna, the 20-year-old out of Sexville, Maryland. And in net for the Eels was Alexander the Great, as apparently he is nicknamed. Alexander Caron, the 19-year-old out of Sorrel, Tracy, Quebec. I definitely think this kid earns that name, and he just continues to prove it. We're in the first period, an excellent, I'm telling you, excellent game in the first. And just halfway through the first period, the 18-year-old at a Prince Rupert, British Columbia, Crossley Stewart feeds a beautiful maple syrup-covered outlet pass to fellow Canadian Casey Gerstein, the 21-year-old out of Markham, Ontario, and he buries it. The Eels are up one to nothing. Yeah, and this was just a great move to split the D and an even better shot to uh, put in the back of the net. Yeah, and that was actually it for the first. Uh, and then we move into the second, and the tendy tourney continues until one minute remaining in the second when Jacob Schnapp, the 20-year-old from Newport, Ritchie, Florida, buries it, and we're all tied up at one. Yeah, and this is just a great heads-up play, you know, pushing the puck to the net. Uh, great goal and a, and a very much-needed goal. Yeah, and the third period was extremely entertaining, and Alexander DeGray defended the net like a madman, like he was a man on fire, and this allowed his Eels to put in an early third period goal off the stick of Torin Haddon Harris. And the Eels are up two to one. And then with less than two minutes remaining in the game, the Canes are forced to pull Perna and the Eels get two empty netters from Pedrezov and Patterson. And this game is over. The Eels win four to one with those two empty netters in advance to the championship game against the Charlotte Rush. Perna stopped 20 of 22 and Alexander the Great stopped 43 of 44. Yeah, and this just, you know, that's what happens. You got when you pull your goalie, you got to take that chance. Unfortunately, it went bad for them. You know, a game that really was a two-to-one game kind of looks like he kind of got blown out of the water a little bit here. But, you know, it wasn't that at all. It was a close game. Uh, you know, this is this is the kind of game you expect in a, in a semifinal for, you know, a national championship. A tight game where, you know, any, the last goal basically could win it, unlike the last game where, you know, the net almost burnt down from so many pucks going into it. Uh, but again, you know, this was, this was a great game. You, know, you can't, you can't really say anything else about it. You know, they, they deserve the Eels deserve to move on. And uh, I think it's going to be a great matchup for that national championship. Yeah. And honestly, you can tell that the, the four teams that made it had excellent goaltending with Trevor Wong, Bubba Batista, Jake Perna, and Alexander the Great. We're talking some of the best goalies in the nation here. And, and they proved it. They, they really did. And, I tell you, man, watching the end of this game, watching the Eels celebrate their victory and the Hurricanes players that just 
wouldn't leave the ice, man. I'm telling you, you could sense the sadness coming from the, the Canes players left watching on the ice. This game meant a lot. And it, it's not like in the previous game where it didn't mean as much to the Cyclones. It absolutely did. This team fought hard to get where they were. But I tell you what, I think the Cyclones easily knew this game was over pretty early where the Hurricanes fought and fought and fought. And they lost a game, you know, with empty net goals. And, yeah, man, honestly, it was it was heartbreaking to watch the, the guys that just they didn't want to leave the ice. They knew their season was over. They knew their and it's it's so much more than just hockey, man. Like it's it's in this case, because it's men's hockey, it's a brotherhood, you know, the sisterhood, obviously within women's hockey. But in this case, it was a the brotherhood you've developed with the players on your team you know it's over. And I think some of the Hurricanes players just didn't want to accept that, man. Yeah, and I mean, truthfully, if you look at this, this was a one-goal hockey game. Yeah, the goalie was pulled, whatever. I always look at it, that was a one-goal hockey game. And honestly, I would rather lose the game by the nine goals, as much as this sounds awful, because this is a one-goal hockey game. How many of those guys are thinking, if I would have shot here, if I would have passed here, if I didn't hit the post, if I didn't, you know, if I did this and that, you know, yeah. there's always that what if. It's that one goal. All you need is one goal for it to keep your chance alive. You know, it's not like it's nine goals where it's like, you know, we just came out flat or whatever it is, right? There's, It's kind of, yeah, it's going to suck, but it's a little less bitter than losing by one goal. So I really feel for these guys, especially for the guys who are aging out and, you know, potentially don't have any other offers or whatever it is. It, it, this is kind of... No, that's a real, you know, crappy way to, to to finish it all off. Yeah, and honestly, like Jake Perna was net for the Hurricanes, and I've been in a situation where I lost a game two to one about six, seven years ago. Uh, it was a championship tournament. I let in kind of weak goal to start the game. I I wasn't used to this arena, and I just, man, I was just out of position in my net. It it shouldn't have been a goal. And the game ended two to one, like the. The goal where our team scored was fine, and the goal that the other team scored was nothing. I mean, it was like the seventh or eighth slap at the puck. Like, there was nothing I could do about it. Like, my defense wasn't clearing it. I felt no guilt. But that first goal I let in, it was like you said right there. Like, for the guys that are thinking, oh, I hit the post here. I, I, I just should have taken that shot there. Me as a goalie, I can relate maybe to Jake Perna. He didn't let a bad goal in. They, they were just two great goals by the Eels. You sit there and you go, if I'd have stopped that, if I'd have stopped that, we'd have a chance. And that's kind of what I was thinking because I'm, you know, in that tournament, we would have been playing in a championship game versus the bronze medal game if I just wouldn't have let that weak goal in possibly. So I get it. But honestly, the the, the Carolina Junior Hurricanes should go back to Raleigh with their heads held high. They had an excellent season. They played fantastic they're on my radar now. Some of these players on this team are just amazing, and I can't wait to watch where where they go next. But at the end of the day, it's the Charlotte Rush and the Florida Eels that face off in the national championship game on today, Monday, March 22nd. So in net for the Rush is Bubba Batista, the 19-year-old out of Victor, New York, and the Eels against our Alexander the Great, the 19-year-old out of Sorrel, Tracy, Quebec. First period. This was a goalie battle, man. There was no scoring. And I'm going to tell you what. Second period. This is a goalie battle. There is no scoring. Batista and Alexander the Great were playing out of their minds. 
yeah, I mean, it's what you need from your goaltenders in a national championship or a championship game like this. It's exactly what both these teams got. Yeah, and I think I shot you a text at that point. I'm like, man, it's going to be somebody's going to make a mistake, man. We're entering the third period. Somebody's going to screw up. And truthfully, nobody actually did. It just so happens that four minutes into the third period, the Charlotte Rush get on the board. The 20-year-old out of Chicago, Illinois, Shane Hemmer, he wants to be the hero, man. And so he buries it. It's one nothing Rush. Yeah, I mean, this is a massive goal. You know, if I want to throw a pun in there, what a rush for these kids. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you've battled so hard for the base of the entire game at this point with great goaltending on both ends. You know, basically, first goal wins. You know, in these games, you just know that one mistake or that one bounce, that one whatever that ends up in the back of that net is going to be the winner. And, you know, as soon as this goes in, that bench is fired up. Those boys are fired up. That coaching staff is fired up. And this is exactly what they needed. Oh, the bench went nuts. And honestly, that goal ripped the ice wide open because at this point, nobody's playing kitty by the door. The Eels know they need to score. So this was just back and forth hockey. And that actually forces the Eels to pull Karan with one minute remaining in the championship contest. Because honestly, Batista and Alexander the Great were just exactly that. Like they were just playing out of their minds and there were some fantastic chances on Batista, but he shut them down with 29 seconds remaining on the clock. Merkley fires the puck down the ice towards the open net, and the rush are up 2 to nothing, and the rush bench loses their minds. Yeah, I mean, that's basically sealing the deal right there, right? I mean, it's everything you've worked towards. I can, you, know, you know that feeling when the net's empty. They've got the extra guy on the ice. They're really battling. They're really pushing. You know, it can go either way. A quick bounce can end up tying the game and taking all the momentum to the other side. But, you know, they get that open net goal and, you know, you just know, like, this is it. We have won. And, you know, you're just basically counting down the clock, you know, whatever, how much time is up. doesn't matter if there's three seconds left. It feels like the longest three seconds of your life because you just <laughs> want to jump on the ice and celebrate. And you're just yeah. basically vibrating on the bench, ready to go. So, you know, I, I, I don't blame these guys for being fired up, you know, and, and good for them for keeping their emotions in checks for the last little bit of the game just to be able to finish off. That was it. Honestly, nothing else happened with the 29 seconds remaining. Alexander the Great actually stopped 36 of 37. And honestly, he's earned that nickname, this Quebec kid. Man, if he isn't, if, if, if there aren't NCAA teams trying to recruit this kid, and honestly, him and Batista, but Batista stopped all 31 shots he faced including, honestly, some clutch saves at the end. These guys proved they're some of the best goalies in the nation. And there you have it. The Charlotte Rush defeat the Florida Eels by the score of 2 to nothing, And they are your USPHL Premier National Champions of 2021 to match the elite team. The, Rush Charlotte, or the, the Charlotte Rush elite team actually won earlier in the day. So this is a double championship for this organization as the elite team won the championship earlier in the day around noon, my time. And then the premier team wins the national championship. Honestly, what a day for the Charlotte rush organization. Yeah. I mean, you know, teams that have that, that club style hockey where you have, you know, kind of a feeder team or development team, you know, you always like to see, you know, um, growth throughout and kind of winning throughout. And I mean, for these guys, you know, there's guys on that team that are probably going to move up next year and, and coming from a winning culture into a winning culture, it's going to be dangerous and it's going to be, 
you know, they're going to be a team to watch out for next year. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the boys calling out Hemmer and Batista here who purposefully, because this wasn't an accident, who purposely dropped the F-bombs. They, they pulled an ROR during their interviews, and it was hilarious to see the, the Dan K show. <laughs> <laughs> the host there respond. These boys knew what they were doing, and I laughed. I, I really enjoyed watching this, man. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and like you said, the ROR, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, he, you know, during the, for those who don't know, or for people who don't know, you know, after they won the Stanley Cup, Scott Oak was interviewing him, and he knows Scott Oak very well, and they're just kind of basically chatting, saying how it feels, and he said, you know, it's effing great, or whatever it is, and right away goes, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to say that, but, you know, you're in that moment, you know, whether they did or they didn't mean it, I mean, even if they come out and say, hey, we didn't mean to do this, I mean, they're just fired up. I mean, these are kids who just won a national championship. You got to give them the pass on this one. Yeah, and they won the national championship during a COVID-restricted season where, you know, all the accolades and fun of being in a, on a team like this in the USPHL, you don't have so many of the fans in the stadium. You don't have your friends and your family there. It's a little bit tougher season, so it was a really, really amazing season to win the national championship, and it was Honestly, man, it was really, really fun to watch a team celebrate on the ice because they just left the camera on and you're seeing guys dance on the ice. You're seeing people rush in to hug and and, and photobomb their friends. It it just reminded me of, I don't know if you've been on championship teams. I've been on a few and it's, man, it's a good feeling. And watching it, I think that's a reason that a lot of us, at least hockey players, I'm sure it's the same with all sports, but I love watching the National Hockey League celebration when a team wins a cup, even if it's a team I can't stand, like the Bruins. It's still fun to watch them celebrate and to just enjoy the moment, be with their, their friends and their family and their coaches and and the staff. And that's what you saw with the Charlotte Rush, man. It was just – it was really fun to watch that. And it, and it took me back to, oh, like – I won a bronze in, in Sheffield, like the game I was mentioning earlier. If I wouldn't have let that go in, maybe we were playing for the championship, but it happens. And honestly, I will say because of that one bad goal, I was pulled and I was stuck being the backup for the rest of the tournament. Regardless, uh, my team won the bronze and it was a good feeling, man. Celebrating with teammates. Cause that's why I still think that the silver is a more important thing. I think if, uh, if you lose that championship game, you earn the bronze. If you win that secondary game, you win the silver. I just think it makes more sense. But it was a good feeling celebrating with the boys after the game there that, you know, we won the bronze in Sheffield. And then I won a championship with the Abingdon Assassins in Oxford, England, when I was playing there. And that was fun. But honestly, the one that stands out to me the most and why I, I really I think I brought all this up, watching the Charlotte Rush celebrate was when I when I won with the UK Warbirds and Garmisch Partnerkirch in Germany. It was a blast. We were the best team. We won the championship. We raised the cup. Just that feeling of, you know, you, you did what you set out to go and do. You you won it all. You're, you know, for us because we were all over twenty one in Germany, you know, because I think it's eighteen maybe in Germany's drinking age. I mean, we just had the bottles popping in the in the locker room afterwards. We were celebrating on the ice. We had all the pictures taken. We went out to Peaches that night and had a blast. It was just, it was a good time, man. Championships are amazing. Yeah, and I mean, 
it's it's one of those things where you're just always going to have that bond with those those teammates for the rest of your life. Um, obviously, you still have a bond with you know any teammates. I still remember being on you know, having losing seasons and still having a bond with some of those players. But when you win a championship, even if you don't talk for years, you know you always have that championship to go back to. And you know, congr- again, congratulations to the rush through the entire organization. You know, they've built a winner uh, from top to bottom. And uh, like I said, I think they're going to be dangerous next year. And you know, as as a as a coach who had to to watch a team you know, successfully finish a full season. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little jealous. And I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, the world's back to normal and uh, we can talk about many, many, many of championships within hockey. Yeah, I can't wait till we're back to normal. In fact, today, if anybody didn't follow us on Twitter, I got my first shot in COVID-19 and the, the nurse warned me. She's like, if you've had COVID, you're going to feel this first shot. It's, it's going to hit you. If you haven't had COVID, the second shot's going to get you. I think I've had it, but I tested negative the couple times I've tested. Everything points to the fact that I've had it. So I'm expecting in the next 18 hours to have a really, really miserable couple days. So I actually warned Sebastian before this podcast as I got the shot during this championship game. I'm like, hey, if if I'm not responding to you before the podcast starts, just assume that I'm dying in my bathroom. <laughs> And for those who are thinking this, and I'll just go ahead and say it, we are all hoping it would happen on air during this podcast so we could release it as the <laughs> episode. Yeah, I think I think you'd mentioned that before this podcast started. You're like, man, I'm really hoping it hits you while we're recording, <laughs> just so that we can remember. And I'm like, yeah, I honestly, I honestly believe I've had it, and so I'm just expecting that at some point in the next. When did I have the shot? I had it at 11.15 Mountain Standard Time this morning. I'm expecting that before noon tomorrow, I'm going to have a rough couple days. And uh, listeners, you will probably not be hearing from me until at least Thursday night, Friday. So we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an update as it, as it goes along. Because if I'm actually good, well, then I fear mid-April when I get my second shot. And have to endure what all my friends who have managed to get the shot already have had to endure with their second shots. So I'm prepared for it. I want the world to get back to normal. I want to go to hockey games. I want to play hockey. I want to go to a bar and hang out with people I've never met and sit next to them and talk about anything. That's all I want. And for those listeners who are thinking, well, I guess we're wishing that upon him during this episode, that's nothing new. You can ask my friends, my family, the players I coach. Um, I I like to have these things kind of happen. I would have laughed. I'm not going to lie. I would have laughed a lot. So uh, for those who are on my side, thank you. And those who aren't, well, I mean, sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm Canadian, eh? Well, you know what? Anyone listening to this podcast, just monitor Pigeonhole Hockey on Twitter if it hits me, I'm just going to do the poop smiley emoji to let you know that I'm officially dying. <laughs> so, But I think that's a great place to wrap up this podcast. The USPHL had an amazing season. They pulled it off amongst all the obstacles. They had to face this season. So congratulations to the commissioner and all the USPHL staff. You did it. You pulled off a successful USPHL season, and you were able to crown a 2021 national champion. So we couldn't be any happier here at Pigeonhole Hockey because we got to cover it all. Yeah, I mean, it was a blast, you know, from, you know, the first time I watched a Mustangs game till, you know, the rush won the championship. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing some more coverage next year. 
yeah, we're we're stoked to see what happened next year, and I'm very excited to see the Buffalo Stampedes jerseys hit the ice and hopefully get one myself. So thank you to all you listeners. Congratulations, Charlotte Rush. This is Pigeon Hockey, Chris and Sebastian. Have a great day. And we'll catch you next time.